Hi everyone, welcome back to the Bible Project Podcast. And we're still in the introduction to chapter 9 as we journey together through this wonderful first book of the Bible. Continuing our introduction together, you'll remember that last time I asked how valuable is a life. Now we're at an important point in the scriptures because we're emerging from what are called the prehistory into the post-history period. Period after creation, fall, flood and Babel. So it's important that we just stop and reassess and go back to some very basic understanding of what the Bible teaches and what it says before moving to this next phase of the book of Genesis. Which is why I paused last time and asked the question, how valuable is a life? But before moving into the actual text, I think I need to ask a second question is, as Christians, what do we believe defines a person? Now I'd remind you that the transcript for all these talks is available in any of the episode notes section on the audio version of this podcast, no matter where you're getting it from. So what defines a personhood? What makes personhood? I bet you think you know a person when you see one. For example, I'm a person right here, but was I always a person? Will I still be a person after I have died? Ludwig van Beethoven, was he a person and is he still a person today? What about Martin Luther King or even Freddie Mercury? Are they still people? Interesting, isn't it? Then that opens up the whole question, what about a nine-month-old baby? Is that a person? And if that is, what about a fetus in the mother's room? What about fictional characters? What about Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice? Would you say that he's a person? What about figures in literature that we recognise have character and personhood, but are they persons? And in this day and age, the whole idea of artificial intelligence comes up before us. Is Alexa or Cortana, are they people? Do any of those have personhood? What if you found out that I wasn't a real human being. I was just a very sophisticated robot with a voice created by artificial intelligence and algorithms to make you feel that you're connecting with a real person. Would I still be a person as long as you, the listener, believed I was a person? You see, to philosophers, personhood is a technical term. To biologists, human is a biological term. You're a human if you have human DNA and that's it. But to Christians, we believe that a person is what we call a moral term. For theologians and most philosophers, persons are beings who are part of what is called the moral community and therefore deserve moral consideration. And that distinction is really helpful when we come asking what defines personhood, but it also kind of complicates things as well. You see, there are plenty of people out there who think that there might be creatures that are not human but still deserve moral consideration as well, like animals. And some people think there might be some humans who by their actions have terminated their right to personhood, which is why some people believe in capital punishment. So you can see that this is all getting very tricky. It is the elusiveness of what constitutes a person is at the core of almost every major social debate and issue you can think of. All the important issues of this day and age. Black Lives Matter, abortion, 
animal rights, the death penalty, euthanasia, all those worldviews are defined and created by what your view of personhood is. And as Christians, I believe we need to try at some level have an understanding and insight into personhood in order that we might be able to understand how we should see primarily ourselves and others. So whether your passion is for human rights or computers, mental health, human capacity, artificial intelligence, science, sociology, it's really helpful to try to get to the bottom of what personhood is, no matter what discipline or social area of life you're working or engaging in. So we'll start by thinking about what constitutes a person. I'd like to ask the question, is Superman a person? I mean, if you encountered Superman on the street, it wouldn't cross your mind in any way if you were talking to him that indicates that would make you relate to him in any way other than if he was a person. But remember, if he wasn't a fictional and he was a real character, he's not even human. He comes from this planet Krypton and he has no human DNA and he's not affected by the same things as humans are affected by like kryptonite, which is harmful to him, or like gravity, otherwise he wouldn't be able to fly. So calling him a human is incorrect, but if he really existed and we met him in the street, most of us would relate to him quite naturally as a person, and few I would imagine would want to deny him his rights. He may not be human, but he certainly appears to have personality. So the fact that he is this character Superman standing before us and he's from another planet doesn't seem to make a difference to us in a moral sense and how we would relate to him. In fact for Superman there are people who love him like his adopted mother and father in the story on earth. So to all intents and purposes even Superman at least in the way we would relate to him would appear to be a person. In fact if anything Superman in the stories appears to be more of a person than some of his human enemies, his human nemesis as he faces in the stories. Some of his enemies we would feel naturally deserve less moral consideration than Superman himself does. We root for him in the stories to win because we see more humanity and personhood in him than in that of his enemies. In fact, the reason we emotionally connect with all hero stories, not just from the Marvel and DC comic universe, is that we identify with the superhero's human characteristics. If we go and watch a superhero movie, we are usually inclined to have more moral empathy with the good, which are in effect aliens, than we do with the bad humans. But there are plenty of other candidates for non-human personalities if we try and drag away back into the real world. What about artificial intelligence? Or what about their representation in the form of HAL in 2001? Or how do you react when you watch Woody and Buzz Lightyear in the Toy Story series? Do they seem to have a non-human form of personality? And it even gets even more complicated and nuanced for us when we think about animals, particularly monkeys and the great apes. Does the level of intelligence or the ability to feel pain and emotion grant any creature personhood? If you believe that intelligence or sensory development are the criteria for establishing personhood, then you're probably able to arrive at a point where you believe that fetuses, though clearly human, are not persons. You can even reach a point where humans that exist in human bodies 
but in, say, persistent and vegetative state, or those who have experienced a complete and irreversible loss of brain function, you might even reach a point where you consider that they are no longer persons. Maybe, if you held that view, then the elderly and the infirm would gradually lose their personhood as their life went by little by little. So the question is, are some people able to be human yet not hold on to their personhood? You see, these different views of personhood lie at the heart of everything. And it also is what explains why some people disagree about abortion, euthanasia and capital punishment. And it all seems to come down to this one question. What makes you a person? What must one possess to be part of the moral community? What must one have to be deserving of our moral consideration? Well, there are five main ways in which the secular world defines personhood. We'll unpack this a little bit more next time.